and welcome to another episode of the Storybook Podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Gray. I am so happy that you've decided to join me for another episode, and I'm so excited to see the audience of this podcast continue to grow. So if this is your first episode, welcome. Uh, We're very friendly here. Plenty of tea and cookies. Uh, If you have been here from episode one, thank you for continuing to listen. So uh, today, uh, I don't really have some cute tie-in. I guess we're just going to kind of get into it. Um, I really want to talk about ebooks and lending in libraries because there's actually been a lot of headline news about that lately. Um, so if you aren't aware, I'll give you a brief description of what's going on right now with one of the quote big five uh, publishers in the US. And then we'll kind of go from there. I'll give you a little bit of a history rundown, etc. So, Uh, a description of what is going on right now in publishing ebooks and the relationship with libraries. Right now, Macmillan, which is one of the uh, top five publishers in the United States, is limiting the number of copies of ebooks that libraries can buy within the first two months of a book's publishing. So right now, libraries can only buy one copy, one digital copy of a book from Macmillan, Uh, which is leading to astronomical wait lists and very upset patrons. Uh, This has resulted in a number of libraries boycotting the publisher, and a petition was started uh, available at ebooksforall.org. It has uh, brought up quite a bit of uh, conversation between the thoughts of what is the definition of a library and how a library are meant to libraries are meant to disseminate information and be in support of open access to knowledge coupled with or maybe not coupled with but against the thought of how book publishing is a business and they have to make money they have to support their business financially and so they have to make business decisions that may impact access to books. So we we can talk a little bit more about this in depth historically. We have to go back to the advent of ebook lending, or really go back to the advent of ebooks. So this all stems from the fact that libraries are frequently early adopters of new technology. One of my favorite things about librarians is that they are always willing to try something new. For example, when I worked at the South Bend Tribune, I wrote a story about Google Glass. And I'm not sure if everyone remembers what Google Glass was, but it was an attempt uh, to create wearable technology. And some of the earliest adopters of uh, Google Glass technology in our area were librarians. And in fact, uh, I I got to try on a pair of Google Glasses from a librarian who worked at the downtown South Bend main branch. So you have libraries and librarians who are ready to meet patrons where they are. And oftentimes patrons, a lot of patrons will come in wanting the access to the most recent technologies. Libraries are also bastions of like old outdated technology and that is like an entire episode on its own talking about how libraries are time capsules for some of the most random technology that you'll ever find. So put a pin in that, we'll circle back. Uh, So to talk about how libraries are early adopters, so the first e-readers began appearing around 2006. 
the Kindle arrived in 2007. We actually touched on this in the first episode. So if you are curious about what it is to use ebooks in uh, transit and while you're commuting, go listen to that first episode. I thought it was pretty good. Uh, so libraries start adopting ebooks e by purchasing e-readers. So these rather expensive at the time and still mildly expensive devices and libraries were having to deal with the possibility that book or ebook readers would come back damaged or could be lost or stolen. So the next kind of wave of innovation was getting the digital files, the ebooks themselves, and getting a licensing agreement set up with publishing companies to be able to purchase those copies and then be able to lend them out legally. So libraries, uh, got those agreements worked out. And now um, you'll see libraries offer downloads of ebooks either through their own systems or through third-party applications like Overdrive or Libby. Um, Overdrive is like the most popular one, although I think I just read a story about them being sold. Anyway, so, but those are the apps that people tend to use, Overdrive, Libby, or the library's like native uh, Cirque catalog type thing. So, uh, that all kicks off around 2007, picks up wildly post-2010. Um, in 2012, Pew Research released some absolutely astonishing statistics regarding ebook usage. So keep all this in mind, this is in 2012, eight years ago. But in 2012, more than 76% of public libraries were offering ebooks and other digital resources for lending, which is crazy. That's at 76 percent of libraries across the U.S. And so that's not just libraries in metropolises, that is libraries in rural areas. And you have to think that that's quite a game changer for libraries in rural areas to be able to offer ebooks that could help patrons who are homebound or have mobility issues. It could help patrons in places like Alaska and northern U.S. that have terrible winters and makes it hard to travel. So keep all of that in mind. Um, and in 2011, more than 35 million books were checked out through the popular app Overdrive, which is really used by libraries across the world to manage ebook downloads. I, I don't have statistics on hand to back this up, but I am certain that Overdrive is the most popular app for libraries to use. So you have this like revolutionary way to check out books where you don't actually have to go into the library to download them. And it turns out to be a very popular way to read books. While the print book industry isn't dead yet and is in fact doing quite well, all things considered, people really do love the convenience of eBooks, myself included. I read print books about 95% of the time, but I have begun checking out ebooks on my phone or my iPad through the Overdrive app for easy reading on vacation or while I'm at the gym if I don't want to take a book on the treadmill, that kind of thing. Uh, I also want to note that libraries are not alone in the ability to lend ebooks. Personal copies of ebooks can be lent out. You can lend your ebooks to friends. This is with an asterisk. It is all depending on the individual system. But for example, I the first time I read The Hunger Games, I was loaned those copies from my college roommate who had purchased them on Kindle and she was able to 
digitally loaned them to me. She didn't have access to them while I was reading them. And then I only had like a limited amount of time with the copies, but they were shared with me via my Kindle account. I downloaded them to my iPad and was able to read them and then uh, say I was done borrowing them. And then it went right back to her device. So libraries do this lending on a large scale and certainly do have different licensing agreements to do so, but it's not like they're the only ones able to lend digital books. Oftentimes, going back to library licensing agreements, these licensing agreements are extraordinarily expensive, multiple times the cost of what your average person would pay for the ebook themselves. And these agreements are often either time sensitive or limited to a certain number of downloads before the entire agreement has to be repurchased for the astronomical price. So you could have an ebook that might cost between $20 and $30. And most ebooks are cheaper than that, but just to give a number to work with. And the library version of that license could be $200, $300, $400 to buy that single copy. And then however many times it's lent out, or if it's that license is for six months, and then it has to be repurchased. So, and all of this is according to the American Library Association, which released kind of a primer on ebooks in libraries. So, you have this immense cost to libraries who are already seeing budget cuts across the nation um, and threats to funding at both the state and federal level. Keep that in mind, but we also have publishing companies who are also facing rising costs when it comes to uh, wages and healthcare and the cost of creating physical books, which all kind of all falls into that pot of uh, just expenses for the business. And they, a lot of the publishers, see the library ebook market as a big deterrent to readers buying ebooks themselves or specifically this one company in particular. So looking at Macmillan, they decided to limit library systems from purchasing more than one copy of ebooks as a way to drive readers to purchase the books themselves. That, that's the theory behind it anyway. They said in a July 2019 letter that they sent to uh, authors, uh, editors, libraries, etc., that they oftentimes are getting less than $2 per read of a digital book that is lent via a library, which is far less, obviously, than they would get if the reader bought that book outright. Macmillan also isn't the only one, although they are the biggest one to do this limit. Uh, Blackstone Audio, which is one of the biggest audiobook companies, uh, but they are independent, uh, now has a 90-day moratorium for library purchases, according to a new story I read from WGBH, which is Boston's NPR station. So you have this kind of, you have this situation where libraries want to provide these books to readers, but are having to keep up with these exploding costs. But even with those exploding costs, publishers feel like they are not being able to make ends meet or make as much money as they should be off of these ebook properties. Uh, so what does the future look like here? It is a bit early to tell how it's going to work out with Macmillan. This, it was a really risky thing for them to do. There has been a ton of press on this situation, which probably isn't reflecting too well on the company. And this is 
Amanda the marketer talking, not Amanda the librarian, uh, that kind of press definitely colors a lot of people's thoughts, whether consciously or subconsciously, when it comes to purchasing books. And no, book buyers aren't always looking at the publishing company when you are purchasing a book, but this situation might make it so that readers uh, who are heading out to buy books or librarians who are purchasing books for their system might take a second to look at who the publisher is before they purchase it. However, libraries really have like no leverage here because they have to abide by these licensing agreements and publishers. It's not just Macmillan that has these costs. Uh, these costs are found at publishing companies at all the, the big ones and the little ones. So it actually led the ALA to go to the House Judiciary Committee not that long ago, I think November, and informed them via a report on what they see as antitrust activity in the publishing world because of these costs. However, legal scholars have been quoted that they probably don't have much of a case here uh, just because this probably doesn't fall under what antitrust means. So the other question that we have to ask, um, so we're asking, what does the future look like? Is it, and it probably is too early to tell how this impacts Macmillan, but the other question is, is it working? Uh, I think that's hard to tell too. These only came into effect in or in November 1. Um, so the letter was released in July of 2019, kind of giving people a ton of notice that it was going to happen. And then November 1st is when all of that officially took hold. Uh, I do think it's hard to tell the impact to Macmillan, but there are a couple of factors that we need to consider. One of them being the question of lost revenue. Macmillan brought up that library lending of ebooks is is like a source of lost revenue for them. The question is though, is there like is that actually a source of lost revenue? Are they losing that much money? Um, how many of these readers that were going to check out the book from the library, but they see it's a massive waitlist, how many are going to actually turn around and purchase the book they were going to try to borrow from Macmillan through Amazon or some other like bookseller? Uh, it's a good question and one I'm not sure we can actually answer right now. We only have a handful of months under our belts. Macmillan also hasn't consented to any interviews that I could find, or I should say people from Macmillan haven't consented to any interviews. And we have then no basis. We have no one from the company saying like, oh yeah, this is great. We're totally making money now or saying the opposite. So we really have no frame of reference there. We do have though on the other side that you have a growing awareness of uh, people finally trying to look at the practices that libraries have to deal with when bringing materials to patrons. You also have this ebooks for all petition available at ebooksforall.org that continues to grow. When I checked this morning, they were up to 240,000 signatures, which is a good amount of people who probably were not that aware of publishing practices uh, before all of this went down. You also have libraries that are now boycotting, purchasing materials from Macmillan. You have individual people who are saying, I'm not going to buy from Macmillan. And that can't be good for business. Um, and if the title of this episode doesn't quite illustrate it, I'm here to say that I don't think what Macmillan is doing is very smart. 
Uh, no other major publisher has taken this route either, so I think that is a point in the column of, ooh, maybe Macmillan made a mistake here. But the other thing is, libraries are often purchasing a lot of copies of books and ebooks at a time, and by limiting libraries to only one digital copy of the book, they're getting rid of a large percentage of their, of their very certain audience, and the fact that those copies that the library is buying are usually very expensive. Uh, much more expensive than if you or I were to go and buy an ebook. I expect that someone higher up in Macmillan ran the numbers before this decision was made and said it would work out on paper, but I really am curious if they are getting the results that they were expecting. So here, I guess this is the final summary. A lot of people for a long time were upset with the creation of ebooks. They thought ebooks were going to be the downfall of the book publishing industry, that people would no longer buy paper books, that they were going to ruin everything. And I will admit I was a little scared about that when ebooks first came out, but now I see that ebooks and regular books, old-fashioned books, can live side by side and each have their purposes. I really do like the convenience of ebooks when traveling or while working out or in a place where holding a regular book would be difficult. And I think other people see that too. So we're seeing this, the question change not from should we have ebooks? Because the, the answer is yes. Uh, for many people, there are still some people out there who are very anti ebook, and I totally get it, but that's not the world we're living in anymore. Uh, so now we're to the question of, yes, we need ebooks. So now we need to figure out how that works in the library system. And I just don't think that Macmillan's decision is the way it should go. So this is a little bit of opining on my side, probably the first time I've really, um, really stated an opinion on, on this podcast. So I hope, uh, I hope that's not too uh, standoffish or didn't turn anyone off. Um, if you do have thoughts on it, though, uh, that leads me into the end of the episode. Um, we are hosted on Anchor.fm, a phenomenal podcast hosting service. It's absolutely free to use, and they have a voicemail option. So if you have thoughts on Macmillan or eBooks or any of the other subjects that we've written on, please go to our webpage. It is Anchor.fm/storiedbookpod. And leave me a voicemail. I'd love to hear your thoughts. Um, thank you again for listening. And thanks to Purple Planet Music for the use of our opening music. The song Cascades is provided royalty free. And as a technical update, we are now on a number of podcast hosting services, including Anchor, as I've said, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, and Overcast. Please rate and review us on your platform of choice, and feel free to share us with your friends. Uh, we are also on Twitter at StoriedBookPod, and you can also reach me there or at the Amanda Gray, G-R-A-Y, on Twitter. Let me know what you think and what you'd like to hear next. I will end this episode with a quote from the doctor who said, you want weapons? We're in the library. Some of the best weapons in the world. Until next time, I've been your host, Amanda Gray, and you've been listening to the Storied Book Podcast. <laughs>